Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Life Lab Podcast, Quarantine Broadcast, Episode 4. In today's edition, we talk about purpose and and really asking yourselves why you're doing what you're doing, whether you're in retirement, whether you're dealing with coronavirus and not being able to live your, your normal life like most of us are, or if you're just dealing with this on a regular basis when coronavirus isn't around. Um, I think asking those questions is really helps you get a defining understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing We also want to give a big thank you to everyone working on the front lines and being at risk right now. You guys are definitely the heroes of of right now. And stay safe, guys. Wash your hands. And we hope you guys enjoy. We're we're live in the Life Lab and Everett's wearing a mask. The ultimate social distancing. Can you hear me? I can barely hear you. It's pretty pretty fuzzy, though. Yeah, it's better, obviously. Is that one of the bandanas you did the, the the like hair ties and stuff? Yeah, Jenna did that a couple of days ago. It worked pretty well. Got the finger out to uh, create some uh, padding oh, here. Nice, nice, smart, smart. What's going on over there? And uh, not much. It's actually it's going to be an absolutely gorgeous week in Seattle. Really? It's going to be like low sixties. Which is basically summer in Seattle. Yeah. The next what are you guys going to do? So, uh, probably just a lot of walks and runs. I might try and go on a bike ride. Mm, yeah. Jen and I talked about going and doing, getting like lunch somewhere and like sitting at like a bench. Yeah. We, found this, we went on a run and we found this pretty cool like spot that overlooks like Washington from like Northeast Capitol Hill. That overlooks uh, like Washington, and so we're talking about maybe getting lunch one of the days and going up there and just chilling, having lunch urban, there. Urban picnic. Yeah, uh, I've been trying to get because so my car is a stick, and I've been trying to get Jenna to learn how to drive stick for basically since we've been dating, and I used to have like my Scion, and I, we 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 gave it a try like one time. But the Scion is not nearly like the gears just aren't nearly as easy to drive on as my Audi is. Sure. So we, uh, I've been prepping her with like, hey, we should teach you how to drive stick. You can see her in the background, I think. Uh, I've been t- teaching her how to, I've been prepping her to try and drive stick because we've been in a couple of situations where like we've gone somewhere and like maybe like I didn't drink because I drove and she, it just it would just make things a lot easier in case something ever happens. Maybe we go somewhere. Maybe like she's like, I don't really want to party. I want to have some fun. Then she can drive my car, and it'd just be good. Like if my car gets stuck somewhere or some of that, and I don't know, whatever. So we went on a. I ta- I began teaching her how to drive stick yesterday, and she did a significantly better job than when I first learned how to stick. I, really? I was quite impressed. Yeah. She, we went to the, we went to, um, UW's, uh, uh, university village and we went to a parking garage and we went to the very top floor oh, yeah. uh, of the parking garage. So there's like no one there obviously. And yeah, she only saw it one time. Um, I was like, if you can get first gear down, you can drive stick. No problem. So I was, 
I was pretty impressed. So that's kind of what we did yesterday. Wow. Shout out to Jenna. Hey, what are you drinking? Is that a little yeah. bit of tea? It's a little, a little espresso. I'm out of green tea. Oh, so okay. I need to restock up for when I do want some caffeine. What's been up with you though? Taking a screenshot of you drinking your espresso. <laughs> Here, let's let's get our uh, morning cheers in. This is an espresso cup that I got for Jenna. I don't remember where I got it for her. But it's like some blonde. It's like some ridiculous like little espresso. Oh, that's like, funny. Wearing like shells as a bra and blonde hair and rosy cheeks. So I thought it was fitting. You just have like one of those in what the morning? Maybe two? I, mean, I, I actually asked Jenna. I actually asked Jenna. I was like, "Hey, I don't have any green tea. Can you teach me how to make an espresso this morning?" So she taught me literally like twenty minutes ago. Oh, sweet! What was that? Uh, that short film that you guys that you that you did making a skateboard? Is that what you did yesterday? Oh, was it? Was it that bad of a short film that you couldn't tell what was happening? <laughs> no, I knew what you were doing, but I wasn't sure if. I was confused because you had like, it looked like you had eight sets of wheels. Yeah. And then one of the wheels looked smaller and more like rounded. And then the other wheels that you put on, it looked like looked more, they were obviously round, but then they had like sharp edges on like the edge where it wouldn't be on the ground. So I was just upgrading from smaller like trick wheels, like wheels, like a skate, you know, like a real skater would use to like do tricks on to like a much bigger, uh, cruiser wheel. That's basically a, um, a longboarding wheel that I put on there because I realized I'm not going to be doing any tricks. I mean, I definitely shouldn't be, even though when I first built the board, I told the guy, you know, maybe I want to do some tricks. He's like, all right, let me give you these these trick wheels, but they're super soft. So that'll be like in the middle between like cruising and tricking. And then you're not trying yeah. to pull out any Christ airs. I mean, I, I can't lie. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of want to try something, you know, when you're cruising at a certain pace, I'm like, I wonder if I could still do a kick flip right now, but like now is no time to be getting hurt. So, but, um, so I had my board for a couple of weeks and then Mia, we did finally did research cause she wanted to get a board. And so we, uh, we ended up getting her a really nice, uh, cruiser board and her wheels are so buttery on it that I was like, I got to get some nice wheels. So, um, when I started to, uh, put the wheels on last night, she grabbed her phone and started doing a time-lapse of it sitting across the table from where I'm, where I'm sitting right now. And I was like, Hey, that's a good idea. So we like got a little stand for my phone and we set it up and I, she didn't even know what I was doing, but I made it into like a, a thing. Cause it was like raining outside. It was like, I'm literally upgrading wheels on my skateboard cause I'm bored as shit right now. And it's pouring down rain. It was cool. I, I liked it, it. seemed, it cool. seemed kind of fun. I like this, the rain sounds, you know? Yeah. It was a nice little, nice little touch. I was surprised it was raining. I'm just so used to it never raining down there. Dumping. I think it's, people say, I think they say on average it rains 10 days a year. It's rained a shit ton here since I've moved here. I mean, definitely nothing like, really? nothing like Seattle, but um, it's rained a lot and it kind of dumps. It like dumps here 
I mean, it, it'll rain for 12 hours straight, like a heavy rain. And then, you know, the city's not built for it. So roads are flooded, sidewalks are flooded. It doesn't drain well here. So, yeah, but, uh, I don't mind it. It's it's nice. With, uh, going back to your, uh, your skateboard longboard, is that do the bigger wheels make it easier to go over bumps and to just a smoother ride? Like what's the, absolutely. So if you can picture it, the wheels I had before were the diameter of 52 millimeter and the wheels I put on were 70 millimeter. So 18 millimeters bigger. So you go from a wheel that kind of is like this into the video matters to a wheel that's like that. So like going over a small pebble or um, cracks in the sidewalk, cracks in the street, debris from trees and stuff. Yeah, like you're not going to trip over anything. You're barely going to feel it. And then it's a lot better for like uh, carving through the street. So, but I think a lot of it's just boredom because we found this, uh, this cool, the oldest skate shop in LA is about 15 minutes from here. And this guy who's called LA Dave, he lives in the shop. He's like this 69 year old man. And I was like, I have a feeling skate shops are going to be open during this. Like, I don't know, like they'll maybe let you come pick things up, you know? And so I called like right when the lock, probably a week after the lockdown started here. And I was like, I just want a board to ride around West Hollywood. We're so bored. And he was like super into it. And I talked to this guy for like 30 minutes about what kind of board to build. And he built me a board like on the spot. And I drove down there and he like, he's this old guy. So like, he's trying to keep his distance from customers. He opens the door, hands me the board. I paid him on Venmo, opens the door, hands me the board. He goes, Hey man, have a good time. I'm glad you called. You're helping us stay in business, you know? And if you have any problems, you know, that's my cell phone. So he like had called me back on his cell phone or whatever. So, um, so yesterday I called him looking for wheels and we probably talked about wheels for 45 minutes. <laughs> He's like such a nerd. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Did he used to be like a skater, like an actual pro skater or has he always been more on the like building skateboards or I think it's he's interesting. Like it's interesting business because it's so so niche. Um, yeah. So when you get a chance, look up LA Skate. Um, and if anybody listens to this around, you know, LA Hollywood area, great little shop to keep in mind. The oldest skate shop in Los Angeles, which is saying a lot considering the skate culture here. But um, he actually got started roller skating, so they also do roller skates. No inline skates, no rollerblades, only roller before, skates. Before. Right, the quads. Um, and I don't know if it's always been like his apartment slash shop thing, but it's like on this corner. And, um, you know, he, he knows anything and everything about any brand you want. Like when Mia got her board and I looked at the wheels, I was like, do you have these? He's like, no, but here's three other equivalents that I have on the shelf right now. Um, and he's known as this legend that like, 
hooks up like the pros come to him to build new boards all the time. You know, he's just kind of this legend. I think the shop's been there. I want to say for 45 years or something. Um, wow. That's, that's awesome. The website is terrible, which I love. You, you can barely view <laughs> any products on the website. I encourage people to go look at it. It looks like a, it looks like Craigslist almost, you know, it kind of reminds you of Craigslist, um, LA skate. Um, <clears throat> but you know, then it just kind of feels cool to be supporting some sort of, you know, small business around here. We've been trying to do that as much as we can, but yeah, I think he was, you know, a guy who just grew up a skater and then, you know, much like anything else, your friends get into it and you want to, you want to help build them their boards. Are you looking at the website? You know, it's a, you know, it's a janky ass website when everything's in like comic sans yeah. in the background's yeah. like all black. And then the, the little writing's like bright yellow. Yeah. And there's like 800 different colors on like the, the website. There's it's like, you can definitely tell a graphic designer or like a website designer did not make this. I mean, it's Maria it's, would probably have a Maria who we interviewed earlier would probably would have a fit if she saw this website. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I would say it's probably Dave who does that website himself, you know, and doesn't change it. But, uh, you can tell that he, that kind of who they market to, you know, they have like sets, like if you're just getting started, they give you a little bit of information about if you need a complete board, here's the components of it. And here's one flat price, um, all the way down to the roller skates that I think are down towards the bottom with like the cruiser and long boards too. Yeah. So it's been kind of fun. My, uh, did I ever tell you my experience, my first you know, attempt at skating? No. I think I probably told it to you one time. So there was this, it's kind of a, a really weird story. I won't go into all, all of it, but I used to have this baseball coach who, who would uh, drive me home and like a couple minutes after baseball practice, like drop us off. Just, I don't know, cool coach. Cool is in very much quotation marks um, because it came out that he was like uh, sexually abusing like young mm. boys on like the team. Like Oliver, my friend, was on his hockey team actually. Um, Luckily, nothing ever happened to us, but like we definitely got multiple rides with him, like home. And he was like really into BMXing, video games, and like skateboarding. So it was like, if you're like 13 years old, 12 years old, you're like, oh, that's like kind of cool. And he like dropped me off at my house and he was like showing me like some skateboarding stuff. And I like tried going on, uh, uh, I tried like skateboarding one time, took my, put my left foot on the, on the skateboard. My right foot on the ground pushed off. Immediately, the board went right out from under me, and my completely face planted onto the concrete. Face actually met the concrete, and I've never touched a skateboard since. Did you get badly hurt? Sounds kind of brutal. No, it wasn't bad, but I definitely my face definitely hit the pavement. It wasn't How old too did you bad, say but, you were? So I, I would think I was thirteen at the time. I was in sixth grade or no, I was I don't, oh, probably the summer between sixth and seventh grade. Cause I was born in July. But anyways, 
weird story, weird guy. Whatever happened to that guy? That's my, uh, he went to jail for a long time. He might even still be in jail. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It's freaking crazy. I mean, I guess that's not funny it's at crazy. all. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was trying to anyways. mute intermittently while the dog was running around. She was so excited that she gets to go on her morning walk now that she's like whimpering and her claws were like tap dancing all over hardwood floors right now. So in between your story and talking and like muting and unmuting to try to make it as quiet as possible. Are we even recording right now? Yeah, yeah, we've been recording. Wouldn't be an episode if I didn't ask that. Yeah, exactly. By the way, um, did we, my audio change? No. Because I, um, at first, I accidentally was not using my my micro my Yeti microphone. I think I was just using the uh, the computers. <clears throat> so hopefully, it sounds a little better now. Yeah, you guys going you crazy yet? Uh, I'd say we, it, it happens in way it's like yesterday was a pretty good day for Jen and I, we obviously got to go outside. It was nice. I think it's, I think it really helps like learning new things. Like, and it's fun to like, I really enjoy teaching people things that like I know. And I'm like, I've been wanting to teach Jen how to drive sick for a long time. And so I mm. really want to teach her how to do that. And so her being receptive and open to doing that and obviously having the patience to deal with me and also then executing, um, I think it was a lot of fun for both of us. And I think, I think learning in times like this are what keep me, keeping me going because I'm feeling like productive and I'm like, I'm still able to like grow. I think when I'm the days that I'm, that I struggle or that we struggle or where it's just, just nothing really happens. It's just, just kind of like frustrated and you just kind of are like, man, I really want to go outside. I really want to see my friends. I really want to see my family. So I, I think it comes in waves. Um, what about you? Yeah, I think I would agree with that for sure. I think, uh, you can kind of start to atrophy a little bit if you're not doing something. You know, this time I think is going to showcase, it's going to showcase how like, you know, I think people have jobs and they think, man, I wish I could just like stay home and watch movies or shows all day. But like, that's not really what people want. Like as soon as you have that, you're like all of a sudden you're, you're bored as shit. Yeah, there's an interesting. I was listening to, I was either reading a book or listening to a podcast a while back or read an article, and the guy was talking about how, and I've been talking about this with a little bit with my dad because my dad's 69, he'll be 70 later this year, and he's thinking about uh, retiring in the next couple of years and figuring out like an exit strategy. Um, and he's been reading some books on retiring and like the psychology of retiring and you always hear the story of like how people when they retire they they die like literally they die like 
very soon after that. Mm. And the, the book and the resource that I read, whatever it was, it, they talked about how it's more important to your livelihood and the health of your just overall well-being and what a lot of what determines how long you'll live outside of just basic health things is if you have a purpose in life mm-hmm. and for a lot of people when they retire they lose that purpose and so but if, you, if you're able to have purpose in your life and feel like you have purpose in your life whatever that might be you can create that for yourself but a lot of people associate purpose to their work i'd say especially in in america um and so i've been having these conversations with my dad like well when you retire i want you to figure out some form of purpose like whether that's you're doing consulting it doesn't have to be job related but you should be focusing on continuing to grow as a person continue to be invested in something and like you said not just sitting down and watching netflix and movies and et cetera, et cetera, like all day because i think when you lose that purpose you start to become complacent and i think your I don't even know. I won't even say your self-esteem. I'd say you lose that sense of purpose. And so you lose that sense of meaning in your life. And I think when you lose that sense of meaning in your life, that's when you start to become depressed and you have a lack of fulfillment out of your life, which I think is really hard. And so I'd say kind of like those are the days, like when I don't feel like I do anything, I feel like I didn't really have a purpose that day. I think those are the hardest days. Um, And I can only imagine what people who don't who are out of a job right now are going through where they they have really nothing to ground themselves on that do you think that um the association to the job as a purpose happens consciously i sort of think it happens subconsciously we don't even notice and i think i feel that this time and like I guess like this period of time is going to make us realize how it's happened without noticing that it's happened, you know, for however long we've been in the career, if that, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, my God, why don't I feel good? Well, I think I've realized that something that makes me kind of good is that I get up and I have to go to this office. There's people there that I talk to. There's a little bit of community. And every day when I go there... And I leave, I feel like I've done my thing for the, the day, which is my purpose, even though I haven't really chosen that. And no, you know, very few people would say my purpose in life is my, you know, what my job description is, but it becomes that after, you know, such a long period of kind of running that routine. Yeah, that's, that's, I, that's a really interesting idea that I never really thought about that. I thought about it in that way. That- you're challenging your dad to have to create that after his retirement. And my mom has the same kind of, you know, quandary. She's like, what am I, what am I going to retire for? And, you know, she always says, you haven't given me any grandkids. So it's not like I'm going to be taking care of these kids or taking them on trips or whatever. Um, you know, she has her, her kind of, auctioning um and kind of collectibles hobby so i do think she'd be 
you know, really successful if she, you know, maybe started an online shop and was selling and trading goods and stuff. But I think she has the same thing. She's like, this is what I do. I go to work and I'm good at it and they value me. And, you know, it's a routine in her life. Yeah, I think the subconscious aspect is really, really interesting on that. Do you think that people who hold a job in at, at one company for a long time have a stronger relation to purpose and themselves associated with their job versus people who switch jobs? maybe careers, maybe companies every, we'll just say every five years. Let's just say that. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you could totally um, suggest that, that both of those scenarios make sense, you know? And I think um, the word purpose can maybe be a blurred line with the concept of identity too, you know, thinking about, myself being in the same job for so long it's it's become part of my identity that this is what i do i've worked at this place uh for for so long um it's definitely not my you know purpose but uh but when you yeah when you think about people that that move you know from company to company which is so common especially in tech like um yeah there's a totally different mindset about it they they you know you can kind of think of yourself as i'm taking my kind of suite of of skills and strengths and characteristics from company to company and um they might think of their their purpose or their identity as as much more you know inside their own existence rather than if you're at one company for so long i'm not thinking so often about what am I bringing into this interview? What am I bringing into this new company? You know, it's, it's almost like this absence of that, um, you know, opportunity to think about what you are as a, as a worker and what you might bring to a new company. If you're not interviewing with, with new people, it was such a weird thing I experienced years ago when, um, uh, I was considering leaving Redap and I did, all of a sudden I was doing interviews with NetApp. And in the first interview, I was like, holy shit, I haven't done an interview or really talked about myself in five years. You know, so you kind of realize unless you're putting yourself in those situations, you're maybe not even spending that time to think about who you are, what you are, what you've learned over a period of time. Yeah. It's, do you think people, you, you hear about the people who have been in a job for a long time and they hate that job and they hate their manager, et cetera, et cetera. Overall, do you think people who are in, who stay at one company for a long time have greater, have a greater feeling of overall purpose and satisfaction versus people who change jobs frequently? And do you think it, Ages age. You kind of cut out on that last question. You said, do you think it changes with age? Yeah. I mean, 
it almost seems obvious that to the first question, it could really be case by case. Like you could argue, I, I, I would say there's strong arguments for both. There's a really strong argument. You know, I can think about someone like my mom who's been in her job, you know, uh, 22, 23 years now. And before that was in a, a similar job. So why don't we say career, right? For 50 years. <clears throat> Not to get like too meta or, or like look too deep into it, but you could almost start talking about like, what does purpose mean for people when she started her career in let's say 1965, she probably started working at Hughes aircraft, asking someone what their purpose is and what their identity is, is a totally different question than asking someone now. I, you know, I think we think about life so much differently at that time. And, and, you know, this is still true, but at that time it was so honorable, especially as a, as a woman to be, you know, contributing and putting food on the table and taking care of yourself um, and to, to have a job that could actually be looked at as a career outside of maybe um, um, you know, some, maybe some more typical things back then, you know, like, you know, teaching or working in the service or hospitality industry. So anyway, uh, long story long, I feel like I could ask my mom and she would have a good sense. I know that she has a good sense of pride about her career. Um, and I think she has a good sense of contentness because she knows she, I think she prides herself on hard work, kind of blue collar work. I show up early. I stay late. Um, I never complain. I'm never sick. You know, I don't, you know, I think, but that's built around structures that, you know, kind of moral structures that she has. Um, and then you could also ask somebody who who's worked in tech for 20 years and has had, say, you know, five to seven different jobs. And they might have different pride too in going, I worked somewhere for two years and realized, you know, my, you know, gifts and strengths weren't really being utilized. And, you know, I could be lazy and stay there and collect a check. It could be a good check, or I could kind of challenge myself and say, I'm going to go somewhere else where I think um, I'm going to be of more value value to the world around me. You know, you could argue that both of those people have really um, uh, meaningful ways to say, I'm super proud. I'm feeling some sense of uh, purpose and I have, you know, a million reasons to be proud of it. What do you think? How do you think? I think, I think you're, I think I agree with you. Um, I think it's, I think another thing that's interesting, an interesting thought is do people feel more purpose if they're able to leave behind something that continues on? Or I, I would think that those people would have a little bit more feeling of purpose once they've left, if they are able to build or create something that has a lasting impact once they're gone versus people who are doing 
activities, motions, whatever it might be, the job function or whatever they're doing, that is more of a time and place. And then once they, it happens, it happens. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I think <clears throat> I know something I've always dreamed of is, you know, kind of a sound sounds probably not going to be too good for a couple of seconds, but uh, the idea of, of working on things that maybe leave a lasting impression or um, impact people beyond, you know, impact people for a period of time beyond the period of time that you did that work, you know, is seems like one of the most prized things in, in life. You know, I think everybody dreams of that. Yeah. I think that's the hard, I think that's the hardest thing to do though. Like building things that have lasting impact is, is one of the hardest things. How do you think people can create, more purpose in our lives right now while we are based at home and in the shelter in place or stay at home or in quarantine or whatever um right now i'm not sure um you know it, it's a seg kind of a segue i think into uh something we've been talking about um and that I was reading about. Um, Will says hi, babe. Hi. I'm here. You can wave right there, babe. You're... <laughs> um, I was reading a little bit about the uh, the Renaissance era. Um, I think in <clears throat> in Europe, specifically Italy. I think from. I think the rough period is from like 1400 to 1700, um, which I think is where Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci were and a bunch of other really prolific artists and creators, which was, I think they say from 1400 to 1700, but I think um, it's more widely considered like from 1500 to 1600, like a, 200 year period but following that followed what we would call like a you know uh, a, a very serious depression where i think there was the black plague um and i think no, there black, was black, so i'll correct you on this black black plague was in late 1200s or early 1300s i think right maybe so, early 1400s too yeah this is this is I guess I'm getting into the weeds, but the idea was the Renaissance era followed a period of terrible things. Ah, and there it. were three got terrible it, things that, are, and I think one was the black plague and you're right in leading up to, you know, 1400 ish. Um, the other was, I think something about like a, a very, very warm period of time um, where it like, um, gravely impacted, you know, agriculture. So it hurt all the farmers. Um, and I forget what the third thing was. Any, anyway, this seemingly destruction of a beautiful economy and kind of strong um, charisma <clears throat> across a continent and in so many countries was all of a sudden, you know, crumbled to the ground. And the Renaissance era came out of people 
being reminded that all of these things that we prize are actually bullshit. And it forced so many people to remember the most important things in life are our relationships, um, what we're con contributing to the people around us, taking care of the young and the elderly, um, but also enjoying simple things like art and like music and like looking out and like, you know, staring at a palm tree and realizing how beautiful of a thing that is. And if all of a sudden they were all gone, how much every single day you'd say, fuck, I wish I appreciated all those palm trees every day that they were here. I just walked by them and didn't yeah. care. So this, this period of, of terrible time forced people to appreciate um, in a way that I think could potentially happen now, right? Like we're at home and um, I think the word, I think I ended up looking up Renaissance um i for, i forget what the what the definition was um but part of it has to do with people looking back to the things that they once enjoyed and <clears throat> are you looking it up no i'm trying um, some things out but part of it has to do with people going back and kind of rediscovering the things that they once enjoyed. Right. So, you know, we're being super silly buying skateboards, but also it's like, it's super fun and you're cruising down the street and you realize actually how nice it is to walk through your neighborhood and just appreciate things. People are having these zoom happy hours with people that they wouldn't talk to anyway. And everyone's saying, everyone's kind of being reminded like, um, it's just a trend that's getting these old groups back together. But in a full circle way, it's, you know, reminding people of simple things that are super fun and, and enjoyable. Um, so as it could potentially circle back to people finding purpose, you know, I'm sort of considering that myself going, you know, over this next period, what are what could be the things that you maybe rediscover that are true passions that you once had that you let go of because you got busy trying to grow up or you got a full-time job or you got into some relationship. Um, you know, much like you talk about how you think there could be a wave of independent entrepreneurship. I think there could be a wave of rediscovered passions out of boredom. Like people have no time and all of a sudden, or people have plenty of time and all of a sudden, you know, somebody starts painting again, you know, our friend Ryan Dorsey, uh, who hadn't painted in forever because his, you know, was starting a family and moved into a new house. All of a sudden is painting a bunch of beautiful stuff. Now I, I think that could happen for everybody. And, um, you know, it, this could end up being some weird gift in disguise where everybody, um, rediscovers things that they love and some of them could turn into vocations and incomes um, and, and lifelong passions and use this as a reminder to not kind of forget the things that make you happy. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Fucking long answer, man. There's I really, couple, really can bladder on. There's a couple <laughs> of points. There's a couple of points I wanted to make. Um, it's interesting you talking about, community because i think that's really important and one of the things that 
you've heard of the blue zones where some people who live they're like the centenarians i said mm-hmm. that right that live till they're like 100 on average or something like that and there's like seven five to seven spots in the world and they all like eat healthy um they have a very strong sense of community and they continue to cultivate that sense of community and that gives them a sense of purpose within that within that community and i think that's that's really important right now is to make sure that you are maintaining with the community that you have or reaching out to a community that maybe you want to be a part of that you haven't had the time to cultivate now so let's say you want to get into art i'm sure there are a lot of people talking about art right now because they have the time and there's communities out there that, that want to get together um, and discuss things. And so looking for those types of things um, is, I think, is, is a, being able to cultivate a community right now. Um, I think uh, one thing also is about appreciating the, the things that you haven't appreciated or picking up on things that you haven't is I heard someone say, write start writing a journal every day or every couple of days right now that you can then look back on in a year five years ten years from now because this is such an interesting time where we're all being told to stay at home which has never really happened before ever where they just said hey you have to stay home except for essentials we're probably not going to go through something like this again for a long time, most likely. Fingers crossed. And so it's, yeah, fingers crossed. So writing some of the, the, the things that you're doing, cooking a lot, the recipes, you appreciate the small times, uh, appreciating the time that you're able to get and spend with those that you do love if, if you have that opportunity. And if you are able to cultivate new communities and start doing new passions, writing those things down so that you can look back on and say, Oh, wow, those things really did make me feel good. Those things really did give me a sense of purpose. I shouldn't just let those go when life goes normal because those made me feel good. And I felt really good. I was able to express myself um, in all sorts of ways. And I think that's really important um, because I read an, an article up by uh, Tim Urban, who is like a really interesting blogger. He's written the, the couple of different blogs. One's like the tail end, where basically you spend 80% of your time with your parents from ages zero to 18. And then over the rest of your life, you only spend 20% of your life with them, uh, of your mm-hmm. time with them like over of the whole time that you spend with your parents. And so he basically talks about how you should try and spend as much time as you can with your parents, because they're only going to be there for a certain amount of time. Um, he had, he had a recent post that talked about how are, are we getting an opportunity right now to take a step back from the world and basically come together and help the world in general come together and fix a lot of things this is basically a a black swan event that is saying hey reset you guys america you're not happy with the way that your current culture is most people aren't happy 
here's a time to reset and reprioritize and do things that will make you happy. And his host was like, I'm worried that they're that we're not going to do that. That as soon as things go back to normal, we're going to go right back to being normal um, culture that we have. People are going to continue to be unhappy. Um, and his fear was like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for us to reset, figure out our purpose, figure out what makes us happy and to start focusing on those things because these types of events show you that life is short and you, you don't know what can happen. That's going to take you away from the things you love. Yeah. He, and his blog post was really interesting. It was in the, it was in the sense of he, he's in New York city. He gets like, he goes into like this universe that's by like aliens. And then there's like multiple layers of the universe. And like the, these aliens are basically telling him, Hey, we're bringing you down here to take a look at the world and like have this way far away perspective on what you're doing now isn't helping you guys. Like not saying the world, like the world is the best it's ever been like in terms of health, crime, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of happiness and sense of purpose, he basically was like, I'm not sure. I, I think we need a reset on that. And it was really interesting. Um, perspective. Yeah. I've been uh, grappling with that a little bit. You hear, you hear uh, a lot of, a lot of narratives. There's a narrative that because you have time, um, you know, give yourself a break. You know, you don't have to be, um, hard on yourself if you're not creating things or you're not creating this new business or you're not learning a new language. Like it's okay to feel kind of bad and down and uncertain um, because everyone's routines are shattered. I, I'm hearing that one a lot. There's another narrative that is kind of the opposite. Take this time to, you know, do things that you didn't have time for. Um, and then kind of maybe some of the metadata about our, our very conversation talking about um, how it's an opportunity to reset. Well, it is for us because we're lucky enough to have jobs that might, you know, carry us through this. There's also, sure. I think, at least a quarter of our country that all of a sudden, you know, is in a very, very different moment that than we're in right we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble i don't have tons of friends that work in hospitality um or or the service industry I, I know mia has quite a few being from las vegas and even being in technology like we're feeling it but we didn't lose our jobs immediately so not to be completely you know tone deaf to um what everybody has to do with with like this moment but i do think it can't be overstated you know how unprecedented of a kind of opportunity it presents for everybody to pause and like take a look you know even for for a moment you know it's like so many conversations about if i had more time i would just do more things and then what this proves to a lot of people is it's not the time you lacked it's discipline you know it's yeah, motivation look at, look at your phone 
Yeah. Look at your phone. Look at how much time, like your iPhone will give you diagnostics on like how much time you spend on Instagram. Like it'll tell you that if you go in and, and check the stats, like yeah. and you'll probably be pretty scared. Yeah. It's not something you want to look at, but, um, you know, I think I could, I could talk about, talk about it for, for so long. It, it, it could, the duration of it could, uh, could have a huge impact on it too. You know, it's like, if it's a month, it's one thing, if it's two months, if it's three months, you know, um, you know, we had a, a funny conversation last night where, you know, me is just amused by me being on the phone with LA Dave from the skate shop, just like having a blast going, I want to improve the skateboard and learn a little bit about the components of it. And we were sitting on the couch afterwards and she's like, man, what project are you going to do tomorrow? You're having so much fun entertaining yourself. I was like, yeah, actually, I kind of feel like an only child at home right now. Like, it re- really, truly, this time reminds me of being a kid in a room or like having a garage or a backyard and looking around going, well, what am I going to do? Well, oh, here's yeah. a thing. Maybe I can play with this thing. And then all of a sudden you can create some satisfaction out of maybe discovering a, a problem or a thing you want to clean up. Like our place has been spotless for the last couple of weeks just because we're home. Then you know, rediscovering, you know, books and stuff, but like what people do with this time is like, I, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. I'm definitely in the school of to take advantage of it, you know, take advantage of the time. And that means something different for everyone. For a lot of people, it could mean truly mean do nothing like don't do anything like if if but you have to feel good doing that you don't have to but that would kind of be like my litmus test for you know how you're doing if you're two weeks in and you're feeling stir crazy you need to find things to 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 do that create that kind of um that cycle of like challenge maybe there's a struggle um maybe there's overcoming a, a hurdle and then there's the satisfaction of completing something or providing some service or fixing something that you haven't been able to fix. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I feel like I have to, it, oh, it's like all of a sudden it's my responsibility to, to every day think about what the purpose is. You know, it's a weird moment where we all get a taste of, what it's like, I don't want this to sound wrong, but I think we often think about, think about like celebrities or uber rich people that can just wake up every day and do whatever they want. And when I say that, I don't mean spend whatever amount of money you want, but have the freedom of time. Like that's the ultimate, you know, wealth is, is freedom of time, wake up, do whatever you want. And now all of a sudden I think, yeah. It's like, this is what it's like to just wake up and yeah. there's, you know, so now what, what are you going to do? I want to go to the bar. No, tomorrow, t- tomorrow, everyone should wake up and ask themselves, like, what is my purpose for today? And I think those types of asking yourselves, literally sitting down and just asking yourself the question and then not 
pulling out your phone and going on Instagram or checking your email or whatever it is, but just sitting and thinking about that question for you for one or two minutes at minimum, I think will, will help a lot. I got to wrap this up pretty quick, but uh, one of, you, br- you bring up a, an interesting point is constraints breed innovation and creativity because mm-hmm. you have to be creative to solve the problem, to entertain yourself when there's not all the resources in the world at your fingertips. I mean, it's kind of like you said, like I, when I was a kid, I remember making like freaking squirrel traps or something like that. And it was the most ridiculous I ever had a chance of working, but like I was building things. I was trying to see if something would work. You're, you're um, interacting with the world and inter- and learning these things and, and growing. I think, um, I think that's important. So, um, and also it was fun. One. You were building something. a lot of fun. And like, I've, it, you know, kids have toys, kids have Legos. The, the, I think the joy of it is making a thing. Like that little car you make out of a Lego is a representation of your brain and your effort and your focus and your hands and your dexterity to put a thing together. And when you create it, it's not, it's not the car itself. It's the representation of this concept that if you put your effort towards things, you can make things. And that is kind of like a subconscious cycle that we don't, we maybe don't appreciate. Sorry. What was the yeah. other thing? Um, no, I was just going to say like, cause I got to wrap this up, but uh, my favorite thing on Legos was I'd get the Lego kit and I would never actually make the Lego kit that it came in. I would just make random things, create yeah. random spaceships, whatever. Like that was the most fun to me was building new things. Um, before I got to go, I wanted to leave, one awesome thing that I saw in the news yesterday, uh, we should have added into the life lab fitness challenge. He would have crushed it. He is, he has, he lives in the UK. A man ran a marathon in his backyard and his backyard is only 20 feet. He ran back and forth 20 feet in his backyard and ran a marathon and raised like $15,000 US dollars. I think it was in pounds. So I didn't know the difference, but, or the equation, but, uh, for, for healthcare workers in the UK. So just wanted to end on some really positive and inspiring. Did uh, he track it on his watch? It was live live streamed. But as far as the distance ran, did he use a thing? I think that is insanity. Wouldn't you go crazy? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you got. Right. I know you got to wrap this up. I'm excited for next week. I've got some ideas for for topics. We need to talk about running, and maybe um, spend some time between here and there, um, thinking about uh, this this purpose and passion conversation. But yeah. Until then. Agreed. All right. See ya. Love you. Life lab. Life lab. We out. Stay safe. Yeah. Wash your hands. <laughs>